welcome to the Enterprise Blockchain Review powered by Fifth Nine. Hi there, welcome to the Fifth Nine podcast. And today we'll be talking all about tokens. So there's lots of different token types out there. We've got security tokens, utility tokens, and such like. So we've got some experts on the call. I'm going to have a bit of a conversation about the different type token type and also what it means for the normal person involved in blockchain app development and also uh, trying to raise money through tokens. So first of all, let me introduce our panel. First of all, we have Shiv Agrawal, who's the CEO of MyEarth.id and also the European lead of the Government Blockchain Association. Uh, Shiv, do you want to introduce yourself? Thank you, Felix, for having me. Uh, hello, everyone. This is Shiv Agrawal. Uh, I am leading MyEarth.id, which is a decentralized identity management platform. Uh, it is basically looking at uh, resolving the, the, the identity thefts and frauds. I'm also leading Government Blockchain Association in Europe, which is a basically a non-profit organization helping governments across the world to help to understand and adopt blockchain. Uh, we have over 100 chapters and 7,000 members across the world. Thank you. Great. Thanks for the intro, uh, Shiv. And secondly, we have Mark Piano, who's an associate solicitor at Fox Williams. Mark, welcome. Do you want to do a quick intro of yourself? Yes, thank you very much, Philip. So I'm a associate at Fox Williams, a law firm in London. We are uh, not as big as some of the bigger players, but we, what we do, we do very well. We're a, a full service firm, which means we do uh, the full range of legal support for businesses such as uh, corporate support, employment advice and uh, representation, dispute resolution, property and finance. And I'm in the fintech team, which is part of the corporate team. and we do a lot of work with fintech startups across all aspects of this space, not just including uh, blockchain and digital assets, but also open banking, uh, alternative finance, and other forms of uh, technology-focused clients. And myself and my partner, Jonathan Siegel, we are very good in understanding clients' needs and the technology which they're using, their legal requirements, and bringing all that together to help them uh, grow their business, raise capital, and uh, find solutions to issues which they come across in day-to-day -day business. Super, thank you. All right, so gentlemen, let's jump straight into this. Tokens is a big topic at the moment, uh, especially what's going on with regards to the government consultation, which I'm sure you'll mention. Um, so let's talk about the different token types and what the differences are. So if people have heard of security tokens, they've heard of utility tokens, uh, they've been mentioning some conferences about tokenized security. Um, so let's hand over to yourself. Would you mind just talking in simple English, <laughs> if we can, uh, to simplify what the difference between these different types of tokens are. Um, so who'd like to go first? Let's start with uh, Mark, let's start with yourself. Sure, so the taxonomy or the terminology which is emerging and is going to be the basis as it appears at the moment for consultation on regulation and legislation going forward on this space is taken from the Crypto Assets Task Force, which is a group comprising the, uh, the Treasury, the Bank of England and the Financial Conduct Authority, which is the UK's financial services regulator, and which I'll refer to as the FCA during this conversation. And they published a report last year, which set the ground for some of the consultations and uh, legislative and regulatory proposals we're now starting to see emerge. And in that report, and if you want to follow along, it's at paragraph 2.11, we have the uh, base taxonomy. And they are split into exchange tokens, security tokens, and utility tokens. 
So I'll read directly from the report because it's quite a nice, clear definition. Exchange tokens are often referred to as cryptocurrencies, such as Bitcoin, Litecoin, and equivalents. They utilize a DLT or digital ledger technology, of which blockchain can be a expression of that platform, and are not issued or backed by a central bank or other central body. And that's a key delineator for these different types of tokens because exchange tokens don't have a central issuer or project or business or, or entity behind them. Uh, that was just my emphasis there. They do not provide the types of rights or access provided by security or utility tokens, but are used as a means of exchange or for investment. Then we have security tokens, and these amount to a specified investment as set out in the Financial Services and Markets Act 2000, Regulated Activities Order, or the RAO, and I'll talk about those a little later on because they're quite important for this discussion. These may provide rights such as ownership, repayment of a specific sum of money, or entitlement to a share in future profits. They may also be transferable securities or financial instruments under a piece of European legislation called MIFID. And then utility tokens, which can be redeemed for access to a specific product or service that is typically typically provided using a DLT platform. Utility tokens uh, form a large portion of the end results of uh, capital fundraisings using uh, initial token or initial coin offerings that we've seen in the fairly recent past. Okay, so just so I can jump in there, just so um, the security then is if you have if profits, like, so in my language, that's to be like shares, I've got a share in something, therefore, if you make a profit, I get dividends because that company's made a profit. Is that kind of in normal language, the best way to, to equate, equate it to? At a very broad level, yes, and as a lawyer, nuance is needed, and, and security is quite a, a, a broad concept, which has quite a lot of different strata to it. But in general, if, if it's something which is an investment proposition or is a form of investment, it's generally considered to be a security. But there's a lot of uh, detail to that, which we'll hopefully go into during this conversation. OK, so just throwing in the mix, um, just before I come to yourself, um, what about stable coins? So on the exchange coin, you mentioned it's um, a coin like a Litecoin, etc. does not have a backing or backed by a bank. But what about something that's backed by like gold or oil? Where does that fall in? Shiv, you want to jump into that? Yeah, take so that one or... my understanding is that so any any token which is basically backed by an asset, right, that automatically becomes a security token. So in, in that sense, uh, if 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 it talks about the ownership of a of maybe a gold reserve, or it could be a security, or it could be a land, so all those things basically become are are categorized as security tokens. Uh, and on the on the flip side, uh, when we started talking about utility tokens, I think I think utility token is is primarily uh, about uh, offering future services at discounted prices to day to raise funds, right? So this is the key difference, right? So on one side, you are selling services, future services at discounted price. On the other hand, you are kind of selling ownership of assets. The assets could be of any type. They could be they could be securities. They could be land. So so this is this is how you you. Uh, differentiate between the two types and these are the primary types actually there are a few more subcategories but on a higher level this is this is what we talk about okay and one we haven't mentioned is governance tokens where does that, so that fall is in? a very interesting class actually uh, so it is it is more about uh, uh, basically giving stakes or decision rights to somebody in in in, in, in decision making so for example uh, let's say uh, uh, if if uh, if you have a, a protocol or, or a platform and you want to basically uh, 
govern that by voting with respect to what changes should happen. Uh, so that that can be controlled by a governance token. So in the sense, like whoever owns the government governance token, they they can actually vote uh, in favor of against uh, some changes or some decisions. Uh, so it, it, it's it's like uh, it's like voting rights. So that is the key difference. It's not an ownership. It's a it's a voting right. Okay, so just again putting in layman's terms a bit. So the governance one is just for voting, but you have no financial interest in the company. So if it makes money, you don't get profit. You just get this voting right. Is that uh, right? In principle, yes, but obviously because you are buying buying those tokens, so automatically in future the value can go up and down, right? So in that sense, there is a financial flavor to it, but the key aspect is is the voting. Okay. So if someone was looking to um, invest into some tokens, there's obviously different options out there and they need to be very careful what kind of tokens they, they buy. I mean, I don't know if there's tax differences on, on all of these um, and perhaps that's something you can expand on. But if I was going to invest in a company and it sounds like if I go to governance tokens, I obviously buy the token, which could go up in price and I get a vote. Um, it sounds like security tokens, I get... Uh, I obviously get the value of the token could go up uh, and I also get some share of the profit of that company as well. So I don't get the rights, but I get some profit potentially and also utility tokens. I don't get any, any of that. Is that fair? So where, where would you guide people if they wanted to invest in a company to, from a, from, to make money? Uh, it's Mark here. So I obviously can't give investment advice for legal reasons. But as a, as a general rule, with this space in particular, as we've already identified, it's quite complex. There's lots of different token types and there's sometimes some overlap in terms of their functionality. And I think we've seen with the market volatility, particularly at the start of 2018, that an investment in the hope that it will simply go up due to speculation has now been proven to be uh, perhaps not a wise basis on which to make those sorts of decisions. So I think if you are looking to get involved in this space, from an investment perspective, you need to look at why you want to get involved and what exactly you're hoping to get out of it. Then you need to look at what sort of uh, tokens there are, what they do, whether you understand the not only the business behind them, but what's called the tokenomics or, or the features or qualities from an economic perspective of the token. But also there's practical aspects of it as well. Are you going to buy these tokens and leave them on, on an exchange? Are you going to put them in a wallet? If so, then does the wallet that you currently have or that you're looking to to create support that type of token? So there's a lot to take into account. It's quite a high bar to access already to get involved in this space in terms of getting set up on an exchange and going through the KYC and uh, AML process, which is uh, a required part of crypto exchanges now as well. So uh, anyone who is looking to dabble in the space, I think needs to spend quite a bit of time getting a few things in order first and and that also extends not just from an economics perspective down to basic knowledge of computer security issues because we've seen in the past people have been scammed out of their tokens through fairly basic and not even specific to uh blockchain or, or digital assets uh scams that have been around for quite a long time phishing scams and uh fake chatbots that send you off to a link where you end up signing away your private keys and all sorts of fairly common stuff, which some people just simply were too keen to to, to follow uh, because they didn't understand it, weren't aware of risks or issues. So there's quite a few things to take into account. And it's, it's, it's like any investment, whether it's into a, a pension fund or into a, a stocks and shares, I say it's generally a good idea to know what you're doing. 
and not not running into it blindly. And that's even more complicated by the level of detail and complexity and nuance with the different types of tokens and what they do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Actually, so as, as Mark rightly said, right? So this is this is basically a high risk, high return kind of investment. And I, that is where people have to be very, very careful and they have to understand what they are getting into. There are so many types of tokens and then each offers something and there are pros and cons. So I think we have to be very, very careful uh, and uh, understand as much as possible before we put our money into any of these things, right? Uh, one statement that I would like to make is like, so 2017 was actually about utility tokens where people made a lot of money. There were a lot of ICOs. Uh, and then 2018, we realized that, okay, that utility tokens or ICOs were mistakes. A lot of them were frauds. And now to 2019 forward, basically, uh, the, the focus is more on tokenized securities because that they are actually backed by uh, real assets, right? So th th this is this is what is basically closer to a proper investment uh, uh, avenue, right? So this is this is where a lot of focus is being given to tokenized securities. One new concept that that has come to the market and which is kind of reviving the ICO market is uh, IEO, basically that is initial exchange offering. So ICO was about selling tokens directly to the user, right? So as a company, uh, I would I'm selling my tokens directly to the users and there's no exchange involved. But now what is happening is like so. The company would register the tokens first and then only the sale would happen. So in, in that sense, there's some bit of credibility uh, to, to the utility token. But again, it's very, very relatively new concept. Okay. And I'm just picking up on word there. And I wonder whether this is, so you said a um, tokenized security, not a security token. Was that purposeful phrase you used? And is there a difference between that? Because in my world, obviously, yeah, in ICO, and I completely agree with you, seem to be the big in 2017. There still seems to be quite a lot going on in ICOs, but the STO is the, is the new play. But is the is STO different or nuanced to um, a tokenized security, or is it just a, just a different phrase, same thing? Uh, I'm happy to jump in there for a sec. So what we have to do to answer this question is go back to, to what the blockchain actually allows you to do, and that allows you to record transfers of anything of value. And the token is simply that which is recorded as moving around uh, in the blockchain or the DLT. And so the token can represent something off-chain, as an expression which I, I, I use sometimes, and it's simply a representation of the transfers of ownership of that asset which doesn't actually exist on the blockchain. So it's representational. And in some cases, a token can represent a real security, and it's simply the, the means by which ownership and transfer is recorded. But also we have tokens where the properties with which they're programmed are of a nature to make the token itself a security as well. Um, I'm going to, whilst uh, Shiv's also putting his views in, just going to uh, clarify a point on that as to whether the representational tokens are themselves securities as well. But that's an important distinction. So just to, to summarize that, a token can represent a security, but a token can have properties which in and of itself are designed to make the token itself also a security and an investment proposition. Got you. Nice and simple. <laughs> um, interestingly, um, and I, sure, I agreed with your initial comment on this one, um, but I remember having a conversation around ICOs with the 2017 and they're now kind of going down and we're now getting the STO world. In 2018, there were more, more money was raised through ICOs than there were in 2017. 
about $6.3 billion was in ICOs in 2018, which is more than the whole of 2017 as well. So I'm wondering if ICOs are actually still happening in the background. It's just that SGO is the new kid on the block. So people are talking about it more as well. Um, so moving down to, let's talk to about people who are looking to raise revenue as well through, and they've got these two options, got, you know, should I go down the ICO route, uh, SGO route, obviously there's tax implications as well. Can you talk around what the pros and cons are um, from which route or is it and obviously advisory sounds like the best way to go forward have proper advice but what's your what's kind of the pros and cons between doing ico and an sto that need to be aware of at a high level i'd say my starting point is you should if you're looking to do any form of capital raising you should always get the right advice and the right advisors so that's accountants that's lawyers that's that's the right professionals depending on what your requirements are and what your objectives are and especially in this space it's very risky to proceed without the right advice and indeed potentially costly later on. So that would be my starting comment. So from a tax perspective, it's it's there's currently a note published by HMRC in December 2018, and they look at the tax position of exchange tokens in particular. And it's quite an interesting note. It's worth reading in full. It's 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 very accessible, and it looks at the different types of taxes which will apply to an exchange token. Uh, and it covers things such as uh, financial trading, it covers mining, fees from mining, airdrops, income tax losses, uh, capital gains tax, and how that applies as well. And the high level position is that if you have exchange tokens given to you by way of income for your services, that could be a form of payment in kind and could therefore attract income tax. And you are also looking at a CGT liability if you dispose a token that you've been trading or have mined or, or something like that. But it's worth reading in, de- in, in full for more detail. Um, when you say note, is that a legal thing or is that a guidance? When you, what's, I don't, I'm not sure what a note is from a legal standpoint. That's okay. So the, the technical term is a policy paper and it's available on the HMRC website and it's called Crypto Assets for Individuals. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So actually, I, I think I agree with Mark uh, that, that uh, obviously there, there are a lot of uh, regulatory aspects that, that come into play. But in general, from layman's point of view, right? Uh, so the thing is that uh, the, the, one of the biggest differences between an ICO and STO is basically regulations, right? So with ICO, what happened was that they, they, because it was early stages and then not many governments or legal bodies were onboarded on the idea. That is where there was lack of clarity and, and lack of regulations. So even today, basically, if you look at a lot of ICOs across the world, they don't necessarily follow regulations because because they have a lot of control and flexibility with respect to reaching out to, to investors. But obviously, I think the, the investors have matured over a period of time with all the fraud that happened. But when we start looking at the STO space, that is where it's it's well very very well regulated with the Huey test and then and then a lot of uh, organizations and legal bodies basically uh, have started participating and then making it more clear for the investors with respect to what what an STO means and uh, what it what what entails uh, with with an STO right so this is where I think the the lack of clarity. Uh, uh, with respect to ICO and and, the, and more clarity with respect to STO is, is, is one of the differences which is playing a big role. Okay. I wonder, Philip, whether for the benefit of the audience it's worth defining these terms of ICO and STO mm. and what these actually mean in practice. Yeah, please, yeah. 
Sure. So an ICO or initial coin offering, which borrows terminology from an initial public offering where you a company offers shares for a public market or for public trading, is a term that was applied to a capital raising exercise or one which might still be ongoing, whereby people offer usually uh, tokens such as Bitcoin or Litecoin to a project or a business or a team to help raise capital for that team to build a project. And in return, the investors get early access to or increased uh, volume on a sliding scale, depending on how the, the thing is structured, to tokens which form part of the project. Uh, a lot of the time, they can be utility tokens. They can also be a form of uh, governance token or, or in some cases, a, a, something of a hybrid. There's lots of different ways to structure it, but at its core, it's a form of capital raise. I give you something and I get something in return, which hopefully will get more value over time than what I paid for it in the first place. And I've taken that risk by giving something of value, such as Bitcoin or Litecoin, which has an immediate value for something which hopefully will have value, which increases over time uh, in return. And then a security token offering is, is a similar concept, but the offering that you get in return is a token which represents a, a, a security, effectively subscribing for a form of security. That's, that's my understanding. Please feel free to correct me if there's any aspect of that which needs more exploration or explanation. No, to be honest with you, I think that was quite succinct <laughs> in alliance with my thought. Do you have anything you wanted to add on no, that? No, I think that was very expert definition. Yep. So just going back to um, your point about the clarity. So let's talk about the government are doing this place. Obviously, uh, Mark, you mentioned about the, uh, the the note that's been added. Are they doing anything else? There's obviously the FCS, the consultation that's uh, going on. Do you want to talk about where the government's heading in this from your knowledge? Um, are they looking to put some regulation in uh, or yeah, basically where they're heading? Sure. So it's actually quite complex and there's lots of different reports out there at the moment. So there was one report published in uh, September last year by what's called the uh, Treasury Committee's or Treasury Select Committee's Digital Currencies Inquiry. And that report was published on the 19th of September 2018. And one of the conclusions amongst the findings of that report was that the process of ICOs should be regulated by the FCA fairly urgently. That was then followed by the Crypto Assets Task Force report. I was trying to find the date, bear me a moment, which I think was published shortly after. So it was published late last year as well. And that was more of a, a broader picture uh, from a, a high-level perspective from Bank of England, uh, Treasury and FCA. Then the FCA published in January this year, and the consultation closed uh, a couple of weeks ago, a consultation paper for their guidance on crypto assets. And what this effectively did was set out the FCA's thinking on treatment of exchange utility and security tokens and their initial analysis as to whether some or all of these fall into the regulatory perimeter, as it's called, of the FCA, and then invited responses and comments from interested parties. It was a public consultation. The document was publicly available. And the I'm sure the 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 consultation responses will be published in due course. But what's also interesting in that paper is they set out a timetable and further uh, consultations and documents that the FCA will put out. So in their upcoming work, and this is in paragraph 6.1 of the FCA's guidance paper, it's called CP19-3 if people are interested, we've got um, consultation on a potential prohibition of the sale to retail consumers of derivatives, and these are financial products which are based on something else, 
referencing certain types of crypto assets, for example, exchange tokens, including contracts for differences, options, futures, and transferable securities. And that's going to be at some point this year. Uh, they're also The SEA is also going to publish findings on consumer research on the use of crypto assets. That was stated to be early 2019. And they'll continue to monitor market developments and regularly review the UK's approach. And that's the UK Crypto Assets Task Force. And I think it's worth pointing out that the FCA can only regulate what they're told to regulate by the government. And that's set out in the financial services legislation framework, which is uh, overarched by the Financial Services and Markets Act of 2000, which is a key piece of legislation. And that also led to the creation of what was the uh, FSA and now the FCA. And then we have a piece of regulation called or legislation called the uh, Regulated Activities Order. And that sets out what are known as specified investments. Um, I'm not sure this podcast is, is, is the best format to go into an introduction on financial services regulation, but that's a very, very high level perspective. And, and, and the takeaway is if something is a specified investment, you need to be able to have some sort of authorization or exemption to be able to do things with those specified investments. Otherwise, it's, it's prohibited. Okay. And just for clarity, this aligns to, is it just England and Wales? Is it the whole of UK? What's the jurisdiction of these rules? Um, Sure. So, so the, the FCA is the Financial Conduct Authority, and it's a financial services regulator for the United okay. Kingdom. And so if you're a person who's based in the United Kingdom or looking to do things in the United Kingdom, you have to have regard to this uh, legislative framework and, and the requirements that go with it. Super. All right. Super. So I just want to close um, on my final question, which is all about how you think, uh, just getting your view of how you think this will affect startups. So as we all know, in 2017, a lot of startups were raising a lot of capital. And as uh, Shiv put it quite, quite nicely, a lot of it was rubbish, a lot of nonsense was out there. Um, and we're now into a bit more maturity, but now we've obviously gone to this explosion of different security types, different rules, different regulations, tax impact. Um, and I think the message that's coming loud and clear from this is that people need to get advice because it's, it's a complex uh, world we're living in on this. So let's start with Shiv with yourself. What's your view of how you think this is going to impact the new startups which are out there, which are going, right, we've got a great idea, but we need to, maybe they've got a white paper, maybe they've got a minimal viable product out there, and they're now looking to raise capital through tokenization. Yeah. How does, so I think see the, the, the key idea behind tokenization was that uh, easy access uh, to funds for, for innovative ideas, right? Because obviously, I think before, before uh, ICOs came into play, I think we were talking about VCs or institutional money, which is difficult to get, right? And a lot of ideas uh, were were suffering because obviously they, they did not have, have access to the right amount. So that is where ICO has a market and ICO had a had a purpose. But now I think because of all the frauds, because of all the all the things happened in last two or three years, uh, the, the investors have gotten very, very smart now, right? They want value for money. So, so they are looking at each and every aspect of your idea. They are looking at your team. They are looking at your idea. They are looking at your white paper. They are looking at your execution capability. And they're also looking at what funds you have already put from your pocket, right? So they have now started thinking like VCs, right? So they question every aspect of 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 the business that you are trying to do right and what you are trying to do with your with with the with the token or the funds that you are trying to raise so in that sense this market has become lot more mature which is a good good thing uh, but it, it has become very difficult to raise funds uh, by doing it uh, by doing a token sale right but having said that uh, i think if uh, as as a as a as a startup i think i have to think uh, really hard with respect to what I, what my idea is all about and what is the value 
that I'm providing to the investor, right? So obviously you can still do an ICO, you can still uh, do an initial exchange offering, you can still do an STO, but then obviously depending on which sector you are in or what your business ideas, like if you're offering a service, then I think ICO is still a way to go, but then obviously you need to follow all the regulations and you have to make it very, very clear to the investors as to what is the value proposition. proposition. But if you if you are working with some real real life assets or maybe on chain or off chain, uh, then then I think obviously the, the STO is the way to go, right? But again, then there are a lot more regulations. So, so I think what what has changed been in the last two years that the startups have to basically now spend more money uh, with respect to hiring experts to get the right guidance, to get the right advice, to go with the right vehicle of investment, so that the the so that they can attract the right level of uh, investments super thank you and mark so i'd like to just cover a few different points in closing so first from a legal and regulatory perspective i'm actually quite uh, enthused by the level of focus and attention and resources that different uh, government bodies and uh, regulators and, and and even lawmakers from my experience uh, on the on the panel with you philip at the all-party parliamentary group on blockchain in january as well as other evidence sessions that were held. And for the benefit of the audience, an all-party parliamentary group is effectively a, a working group of people on a particular topic, and, and there's hundreds of them. And they're attended by lawmakers who want to have uh, have some questions or want to find out some more information on a particular topic. So there's one for blockchain. It's, it's very well attended by both lawmakers and experts. And it's a good example of how government is actually very interested in this space. They're not necessarily looking to to clamp down on it, they see it's here to stay, and they want to make sure that it's properly uh, addressed from a legal perspective to protect investors from some of the scams we've seen in the past, and also to ensure that the UK can take advantage of it and what the UK has to offer in this space. It, that London and, and other parts of the UK are very well regarded internationally already for their tech startups and tech presence. The UK is also very well regarded as a services sector economy. We have some fantastic universities here and we have a great talent stream of people all around the world coming to study here. And the, being able to combine all of those elements, I think, will put the UK in a very strong position globally to be able to uh, lead the way on, in this space, not just legally, but also from a techno technology and innovation perspective. So, so I'd just like to sing the praises of, of the efforts of lawmakers and regulators and, and their different uh, bodies doing, uh, doing work in this space. Uh, in terms of capital raising, look, capital raising costs money. There's no way around it. And tokenization is a business model, but it's not the only one. And from a capital raising perspective, ICOs or STOs are a form of capital raising, but also not the only one. There's the more traditional VC or PE investments. There's even debt, uh, traditional debt borrowing. There's lots of different ways to raise capital. So for anyone looking to enter this space or, or to raise funds in this space, you need to look at what actually is the best option for your particular business, for your current circumstances, your future circumstances, and your objectives. Just because you're doing something with digital assets doesn't mean you're confined to doing ICOs or STOs. And so it's important to take the right advice, take a, a, a step back from the excitement or nuances of this more novel form of capital raising that we've seen emerge and put the more traditional business thinking hat on and look at what's the best way of achieving the growth and the objectives and the, and the, the development and roadmap uh, timescales that you're looking at. And it might be that an ICO or an STO is appropriate. It might not be. But it's also worth bearing in mind that 
capital raising in such a novel way has different uh, legal and regulatory statuses worldwide. And that has to be taken into account as well. So you won't be able to sell to certain people in certain parts of the world or, or offer the, the ICO or STO or indeed in some cases the tokens themselves. So there's a lot to take into account. And that's why I think it's very important to make sure that you go about this in a very thorough, planned way and make sure you get the right advice at an early stage. Because if you don't, then there's a risk that the whole thing could be incorrect or illegal in some cases, or even not in compliance with regulatory requirements. And that's then a huge amount of time and effort that's been put towards something which you then can't do. So I think it's a combination of embracing this new form of capital raising but also looking at it in perspective and making sure that what you're doing is right for for your startup. Great. I think that's a good uh, end of that final question. So, gentlemen, thank you kindly for that. Uh, I think it's been very informative, very uh, good conversation. So we'll leave it there. So, gentlemen, thank you kindly. And I'll just uh, say... Uh, so this was Philip Harrison, who's a head of digital process at Fifth Nine, and I've been my guests today were Shiv Agrawal and also Mark Piano. Thank you kindly, gentlemen. Thank you, gentlemen. Pleasure talking to you. Philip, thank you very much indeed. Thank you also, Shiv. I do need to say, though, just as a disclaimer, that this has just been a general high-level conversation. None of this constitutes specific legal advice or any legal advice on which you can rely, and you should always instruct uh, the, the right professionals for the advice that you need. This podcast has been brought to you by Fifth Nine Digital. You can find us online at www.fifth-nine.com.